BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I brought it to Satterfield multiple <laughs> I love times. That. I love that. And, you know, like you, the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, like yeah. tight end screens where, yeah, you know. He, he gets to read the defense and decide whether he's going to keep it or, you know, pitch that back. Yeah. And sat straight up to him when he said, I, I love the play. He's like, but if we're running it, Marshawn's getting that ball. It is a glorious night in the city of Louisville right now as I speak uh, into your headphones. Both myself, Vincent Lacoco, are doing a show from outside. It is wonderful. The sun is shining, but not too much. The temperature is uh, at a very comfortable level to where there's no sweating happening right now. We've got beers. We've got you got a long sleeve shirt on. I mean, we exactly. Are, exactly. I, we I, I'm are, a sweaty guy, and I got a long sleeve on outside. You can't ask for much better weather than this. That's right. The only thing is the mosquitoes are out here on one tonight. But besides that, we have got a great show here on From the Pink Seats podcast. Again, I'm Jacob Lane, host of From the Pink Seats, along with Vincent LaCoco, former Louisville football player and student assistant there for Scott Satter. And uh, Matt McGavick going to have the night off. He's got some technical difficulties. Uh, Matt will rejoin us next week as we get into our first week of the season, essentially week one for our preview episode against Syracuse next week. What are we here to do tonight? That's a great question. We're almost two and a half minutes into the show, and I haven't told you what we're doing. <laughs> uh, but here we are. Hey, so in Pfeiffer, former Louisville football Tight end will join us tonight for the second time on From the Pink Seats podcast as we're going to break down the last position groups here in our preseason preview. We'll look specifically at the pass catchers, the wide receivers, the tight ends, the H-backs, and have a good discussion there about what we think is going to happen um, in terms of just that group being able to provide the, the weapons Malik Cunningham needs for this offense to be great. Uh, and then we'll also look at a little bit into special teams. Uh, I want to have a discussion because that is going to be one of the least, I've said this a couple of times, it's going to be one of the least talked about things this offseason that impact uh, the season this year. New coach, in, uh, or I should say the coach who was over the special teams unit is now gone. So a lot of things to get into and what that looks like. Uh, Ian is going to provide a, a ton of knowledge as to what the tight ends need. Uh, obviously, Louisville's got Marshawn Ford, who was a teammate of, of Ian's back in 2019 and 2020. Those guys were a, a hell of a duo. And if anybody can be uh, what Ian Pfeiffer was for those two years this season for Louisville on that that tight end spot, man, I think they're going to be pretty good. It, tell me what what you, you know how we do this. Give me the background on what it was like being around Ian, what you remember, all that stuff. Pfeiffer was awesome. I mean, I remember whenever he first showed up uh, in the summer. And I was just transitioning from player into that student assistant role and everything. So Pfeiffer and I, he was an older guy, obviously. I mean, he was on his like fifth and sixth year, fifth and sixth year, whenever he was at Louisville. But uh, we, we'd, we'd hang around a lot. And he was, you know, we always used to give him shit because he graduated from Vanderbilt. 
I mean, like anything, like any little fumble miss up that he did during practice. <laughs> Pfeiffer, aren't you supposed to know that? You graduated from Vanderbilt. Oh we thought God. you were smarter than that, man. That's awesome. So I love I, that. he's a, just a good dude. And, you know, I'm happy I was around him for those two years that I was. Yeah, well, we've got a great, a great episode in store here. We're going to really get into some good stuff. Before we get uh, Ian in here, want to remind you to make sure that you are following along with the podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, we're glad you're here. Go back, listen to the preseason preview series. We're in week four now. We've got five total episodes that you can go back and listen to. A ton of content that will get you ready for the season, which is just next week. Uh, but be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Pink Seeds Pod. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from. And be on the lookout. We've got a brand new look. We're going to we're gonna get things actually up to speed here. One minute, Lococo is going to get his uh, mug on our cover if if you follow us on Twitter, you've seen that now, but we're going to unveil a new look and we've got some big, big news to be watching out for. I, w- I can't get into what it is yet, but what I'll say is next week, next Friday, just keep some time in the evening uh, to be available to listen to some some good stuff. That's all I'll say. Uh, but let's go ahead and let's jump in. We're going to get Ann Pfeiffer in here talking uh, past catchers and special teams. We'll be right back. Let's go ahead and jump into it now. Ian Pfeiffer, former Louisville football tight end, joins us. Ian, how are you, man? Recurring guest, the appearance number two. I think this is going to have to become a regular thing now that Vince is around. But welcome in. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. I appreciate y'all having me. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah, well, this could not have worked out any better, obviously. If you've been listening the last couple of weeks, we've had a little bit of a, of a guest switch up. But like I said, couldn't have worked out better. And tonight, as we get into the wide receivers and tight ends, uh, there's nobody better to talk to than somebody who has played for two years in the system and knows exactly what they need. And as Vince and I were kind of saying, and we'll get into this when we talk about the tight ends, I don't know how you'll hear this, but if Louisville's tight end this year up on the line can just be what Ian Pfeiffer was the first two years of the system, <laughs> Louisville's offense is going to be in a much better place this year than where they were last year. But we'll get into all that nonsense and everything. But uh, I want to start with just how are you? Since the last time we've talked, you've gotten married. Life is changing. How, how's everything going for you? Yeah, man. Think things are well. I uh, After pro day and all that, um, moved, moved back home to Arkansas. Um, started in, you know, the corporate world and brought my fiance down now wife, like you mentioned, got married last month, enjoying life, man. And I'm, I'm very happy. Uh, football season's coming back around. It's best time of year. Um, very, very excited to see Louisville this year. Yeah. Do you miss fall camp? We've been talking a lot about fall camp. Can you give me a story of any of your fall camp experience at Louisville? Maybe take me inside. I think this would be a good one for our fan base here. Take me inside the transition from offensive lineman to tight end in that first camp, what that was like for you. Oh, Pfeiffer, tell them about uh, whenever you and I would be riding in the car in 19 in the summer going to get slushies and stuff and i'd be asking you about what all y'all be eating and everything the mcdonald's and stuff oh my god yeah yeah well at, at at vanderbilt i was i i came in um pretty light and then i just put on a bunch of weight uh like beer beer weight and, and crap me too um we've got that yeah so <laughs> that's where our football so like separate yeah so obviously like i had the worst body type ever um, and then kind of just, you know, got, got into the training regimen and, and really just had trouble, uh, keeping on the weight. So that's why obviously you guys know the story by now, um, moved over to tight end, but yeah, I mean that, that first camp, both camps really, um, the most stressful thing for me was just, you know, it were the long days. Obviously everyone knows it's 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. because, Everyone on that staff and those players know I got maybe six or seven reps of practice. You know, <laughs> I was not used often. I didn't, I didn't go in on seven on seven. Um, you know, most of the, the third down passing were in 10 personnel. Uh, if anyone Marshawn is out there. So I would do my few reps and some individual reps and I'd be done. It was cake. And I absolutely <laughs> loved it at, you know, when you're an offensive lineman, um, it's, it's the worst thing in the world. Camp is absolutely terrible because you're doing one-on-ones. You're, I mean, you're, you're doing all the team periods. It's full hitting. There's no, like, even when, you know, you're just in helmets, it still feels like pads because you're just mashing heads with someone. Um, but yeah, like, like Vince mentioned, I mean, we, we'd, we'd always head, head to the gas station or, or McDonald's, you know, in, in free time and, 
and kind of smash some food or slushies. But yeah, Vince, Vince did a good job keeping that, keeping that stuff fun. There you go. But Vince I, is the guy just make sure everybody eats. I like that. That's a yeah, friend I mean, you need right I mean, there, Vince, man. Vince would be like, all right, you, you, you want to go to a station? We'll go get a couple couple packs of, of sunflower seeds and slushies and, you know, kept, kept the tight ends room going. Yeah, I mean, me and Pfeiffer, man, we, man right there. Pfeiffer was what I think you sat, you might have sat in the front, more towards the middle. But, like, the tight end room, I mean, we'd damn near just be kicking back. You Like you said, oh, yeah. you only got your two or three reps, so. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not getting yelled at in the film. So, I mean, I have nothing to be worried about. And Jacob, when, when I, when I tell you my life at Louisville playing was amazing. Like it, like practice was a breeze and coach Satterfield would always include me in the game plan as much as he could. And it was literally the best of both worlds. You did score a lot of touchdowns. Like, I mean, at one point you batted a hundred percent. We talked about this last time. That's just right there. I would have left it at that top of my resume. First seven catches went for touchdowns. That would be whatever it was. I forget what well, this I, is now. Man. I, I, I blame, I blame Kirk Street because so I'm, I'm, I was two for two in 2019. And then my first catch at WKU um, first game of the year went for a touchdown. And then we had Miami and we get into the red zone, and here comes Kirk Herbstreit, and he says, you know, we you ought to get the ball to Ian Pfeiffer. He's 100% touchdown <laughs> efficiency. And literally, like, two plays later, we we run the, the boot action, and, and you know, Malik gives me a tough ball, and I get a hand on it. I, I definitely probably should have caught it, but and it, Kirk, Kirk Herbstreit, you know, ruined that for me. All right, before we get into the what we're going to talk about, the wide receivers and the tight ends, isn't that Miami game where you dropped a wide-open touchdown that would have been like a 40 or 50-yarder? Am I mistaken on that, or was that the year prior? Do you remember that? Am I, am oh, I that was Georgia Tech. Georgia, was Tech. Georgia Tech. I remember there was a ball wow, that came yeah. you watched wow. it. I'm just, I'm just asking because – Dude, I, you I mean you caught ninety nine percent of the balls thrown your way, and I remember that yeah. because you would have walked in for like a fifty yard touchdown. Yeah, no that that was that was Georgia Tech. Okay, Pre- Georgia. um, I remember that because the previous week we played Pitt, and I had probably the worst game of my career. Like those DNs ate me alive. So like confidence was at an all time low going into into Georgia Tech, and it was raining, and I still remember. I still remember the play. I was literally just running a seam. And I saw the safety who had me one-on-one comes into the box like he's playing the run. And I was like, I'm literally going to go wide open. Wide open, yeah. And I just got too excited and off the <laughs> ball. Like, I stumbled and almost fell on my face. And then by the time I looked up, the ball was already right there. So, yeah. That was the yeah. Hassan Hall three-fumble game, too. Dude, we yeah, didn't get that anything going game. that game. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about wide receivers. We'll start with just a general overview of the position and what the offseason has kind of looked like for Louisville. Uh, for both of our position groups, one thing we didn't note on our show sheet here, but both will have coaching turnovers. Louisville's got a new wide receivers coach in Lance Taylor, who comes over from Notre Dame. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, uh, or at the tight end position, um, Nick Cardwell did come here to coach the tight end group, but uh, at a last second shuffle, uh, he moves over to coach the offensive line. And Josh Step Time had been named the offensive coordinator at Georgia at Georgia State, comes over as the tight end coach. So a couple of coaching position changes important to note. But from a player standpoint, obviously for the second year in a row, Louisville's going to lose their top two receivers. And that's one storyline that I definitely want to dive into and what that looks like for Louisville. Jordan Watkins, Tyler Harrell, both guys who leave for the SEC and Ole Miss and Alabama respectively. Uh, and then you lose a couple of guys uh, that are grad grad transfers and Shea Wirtz, who didn't really have much of an impact last year due to a ton of injury. And then Jordan Thomas, uh, who was more of a special teams guy, did get into for some reps. Uh, I, I do remember him as a blocker, right? Did he, did he block on some run plays? He's talking about Spidey. Uh, Spidey? <laughs> yeah, no, Spidey, Spidey was a guy that that was is phenomenal, dude, and he was that, pretty. He, he, he would get in on, there. Yeah. He, he yeah, signaled Spidey. his last year. He Once I left, Spidey filled the signal role, so he took a yeah. full-time signal guy uh, his last year. Two other guys worth noting here uh, for completely different reasons. One, Demetrius Cannon, who is a guy who came in with a lot of promise, has uh, transferred from Louisville and will go play the JUCO route at EMCC former uh, school on last chance you. So that's pretty cool. And then Devon Mortimer, uh, we've learned over the last couple of weeks, will not arrive at campus for Louisville after dealing with some legal issues and some other things off the field. Uh, so a big blow there for Louisville's top, one of their top signees in, in the recruiting class. But 
Thankfully, Louisville's got a strong a supporting cast coming back as well as guys coming in. You get Braden Smith back from an ACL injury. You get uh, Amari Huggins-Bruce, who is a young guy that uh, really showed out last year when he got the opportunity. And then a couple of vets and Josh Johnson and Jalen Carter, who was just awarded a scholarship this past week. Uh, like I tweeted out, Manuel Grad making Matt happy over there. Uh, yeah, and then Bradley West. <clears throat> I know, Matt. I wouldn't give him the full minute like I'd let you have last time, but I'm sure he would get his manual hype in. Uh, and then incoming. This is where it gets really, really important for Louisville. Tyler Hudson comes over from Central Arkansas, an FCS All-American, uh, and D. Wiggins from Miami. Two guys that you got, to, or a guy that you guys both got to see up close there for those couple of years against uh, Miami. And then Chance Morrow and Chris Bell, two uh, promising three-star freshmen who very well could end up seeing the field. Um, so let me start with this, and Ian, I'll start with you. Two years in a row, Malik Cunningham has his top two guys turnover, Des Fitzpatrick and Tutu Atwell, and then this year you've got Jordan Watkins and Tyler Harrell. How big of a deal is that, and how do you think he's going to kind of overcome that with all these new, these new guys in, in town? I'm very, very bullish on Malik Cunningham. I think he is elite. I, I have him as a dark horse for Heisman. I know a lot of other people do too. So at that point, you kind of just find a way. Um, kind of find a way to make things work, but he's been throwing to to Braden for for two years now. He's been throwing to Amari for a year and a half now, and Marshawn for literally four years. Yeah, and Josh Johnson so, for what five years? Yeah, I mean, and, he goes and back Josh, to Vince playing. And my my time there, Josh was hurt a lot, and but whatever he did play, he 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 would light it up. He was very electric. So if he can stay healthy and, and get on the field. Um, I have no doubt that receiver group will, will be just fine. Vince, what do you think, man? I mean, we've talked a lot about the excitement of Tyler Hudson. And, and, and again, from a tight end position, the importance of Marshawn Ford. He was the, the leading receiver last year. I don't think there's been a, a tight end that's led Louisville's receiving as, from a standpoint in my lifetime as a Louisville football fan. So that's an interesting thing where, uh, Ian, you can kind of take some credit for that as, as you know, <laughs> being around, being his, his mentor there in the yeah. tight ends room. But uh, no, but there's a, a lot of weapons coming back from Malik where, you know, you do have guys who will kind of have that, that gradual progression of stepping into new roles and taking on more. Uh, but you do, you do wonder, I mean, what is that, what is that like for rapport? What is that like from a confidence standpoint? So Vince, what do you think? I mean, does, is he able to quickly overcome it or do you think that's a bigger deal? I mean, like Pfeiffer said, he's, he's been throwing to these guys for a long time now or his core guys. And from what I've seen, the pra couple practices I've been to top, Tyler Hudson has filled every bit of a role that uh, Des Fitzpatrick would have filled. He's every bit of Des 2.0, like Malik said. I mean, freakish athleticism going up to get the ball. Uh, I was a little skeptical on how he cut and how he moved after he caught the ball in the spring, but it seems like he's improved on that just vision-wise and, uh, you know, paying attention to his environment, I guess I would say. Uh, but I'm high on Braden Smith and Amari Huggins-Bruce, that M position, Pfeiffer, you know. I mean, that's a huge spot for uh, this offense, that inside slot receiver. 2-2 played it. That's where you're going to get all your deep shots and deep threats. So I expect Malik to have a good uh, repertoire with those guys, and i really be connecting with those two. Are they better or worse than last year? I mean, like, it hurts losing Tyler. I feel like, no Dude. offense to Jordan Watkins, I think Jordan Watkins is a replaceable wide receiver, and it'll show at Ole Miss. Yeah. Uh, Demetrius Cannon, he hadn't done anything, although I did like him as a recruit. Uh, Mortimer would have been awesome to get on campus. Words didn't do anything last year and loved Jordan Thomas, but he didn't play, you know, meaningful minutes to catch a pass over his four years. So I think, you know, it could be better, you know, the same. I don't think it got any worse by any means. Yeah, I, I don't either. And I think the thing that sucks is if you think about what this offense might have been had Tyler Harrell stayed around, they could have been one of the best receiving cores in the entire country, man. I mean, talk about the speed, the talent they have there. And I just want to apologize. I don't know if this is a bird, if this is like some kind of a some kind of like cicada group that stayed for a year. I don't know if you all can hear this, but it is so yeah, loud right around good. in my tree. I'm right under a massive Oak tree and the, the wildlife that takes home there uh, is uh, it could be a TV show. The things I've seen in the tree above my, my deck here, but uh, I just, I think overall I'm excited about Tyler Hudson, but you have to question the transition from FCS to the ACC. Everybody who's seen him, including people whose football 
acumen I really respect, like one Vincent Lococo, and not just, you know, media or people who want to hype Louisville up for, you know, just to hype him up. They've said that he can absolutely step into the Des Fitzpatrick role, the role as being a thousand yard receiver, all ACC player. And if that's what Louisville has this year, you know, Louisville won, you you guys won eight games in, in 2019. I don't think winning that is out of the question again because there's just so many different guys who can who can go, you know, if you double one, you've got other guys that you've got to worry about. Uh, but what what is an ideal number one look like for Malik in your all's opinion? It's two guys that know him really well. Um, is it a, you know, Tyler Harold need getting down the field to, to Atwell, or is it a guy that he can trust to be a possession guy, whether it's six, seven yards, five yards, uh, and what do you think is the ideal go-to target for Malik? Is there, is, is there even one that you could, that like comes to mind? Yeah. You're looking um, at him right here. Yeah, this no, I know that. That's why you batted on a thousand percent. Right. Exactly. Right. You just want to be a six foot six, uh, 275, 260 pound tight end. Who's always open. That's what you want to be. That's the, that's the ideal scenario there. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to say probably the, the guy who's going to have to be Malik's best friend this year is Braden Smith. Um, just because the nature of the offense, um, you know, we're going to run down, we're going to run down people's throats and then we're going to take big shots. So that big shot, you know, threat is going to have to be there. And that's out of that in position. We love running skinny posts um, out of that in position, that slot wide receiver or, you know, over routes, deep overs um, off the play action. So, yeah, I guess, you know, those 10-yard comebacks to an extra receiver are going to be important, but I, I think that the big shot ability out of Braden Smith and his speed um, is going to be really important for Malik. Yeah, so if it's not Braden Smith, then you're talking about a guy like Amari Huggins-Bruce, who was uh, – I don't have the stats in front of me, but I, I, he did have – I think he was third or fourth in receiving yards last year, uh, had three, four, five touchdowns, would have had another if not for the, the snafu play there. Um, but this yeah. year he's a guy that, you know, Matt, who is not here tonight has talked about him potentially being in a thousand yard receiver for that very reason. Because if you go back to Malik at his best throwing his deep ball, it was in 2019 where, I mean, guys were 10, 15 yards away out of frame from two, two Atwell as he's walking into the end zone. Uh, what do you guys think about him? Are you high on him? Do you think he could be kind of a breakout star this year? I, I definitely think he can. I mean, the kid's got all the capability. When it comes to speed-wise, being able to go and track the ball, which was what Tutu was really good at, you know, he he Tutu really made up for a lot of the mistakes that Malik was making uh, because, as we know, I mean, Malik has progressed very well when it's come to his deep-throwing deep capability, but 19, it wasn't all there, and uh, Tutu would make him right a lot of times. And I could see an instance where Amari, Amari could do the same but uh, Malik being a little bit more accurate than what he has been in the past. So I, I expect him to have a huge year. Yeah, and I would really like to see, you know, whether it's Amari Huggins-Bruce, whether it's Josh Johnson, maybe somebody else. Uh, and we'll get to another guy here in a second that I think is a, an important piece that no one has mentioned yet. But I want to see some more of those pop passes and some more of those, you know, those quick plays that we saw with Tutu Atwell a ton. Vince laughs because I love like trick plays, you know, plays that aren't just the traditional football plays besides the slant route, which you can he, never he would have loved your with. little special play Pfeiffer that you scored against Miami, your very first touchdown against Miami. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to yeah. say the play on the, it's a little dump pass. Yeah, Pfeiffer yeah. does some stuff and then, you know, just sneaks on behind uh, the linebackers and safeties and stuff. That was, that was a special. Yeah, but, you know, part of 2-2 having so many yards in 19 was he, you know, caught all those passes behind the line of scrimmage and then was just able to get on the outside and go for 60, 70, 80 yards. Those are the plays where Malik is like, yes, I need more because that just pads my stats as a passer. Yeah, the, 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 jet, the jet sweeps, the jet sweeps <laughs> yeah. out of the backfield where Malik just tosses the ball in front of him and 2-2 goes for 60. Right. 60-yard pass. Yeah, exactly. Right. But Pfeiffer, you know, do me a favor. We're talking about that play right there. So being the on tight end, say we're running that play to the field uh, and, and you're the tight end to the field. Like, how hard is that block right there trying to reach that outside linebacker or even potentially having to go up and get a second-level safety? Yeah, you kind of just got to – you don't really need to think about it. You just got to open up and run. You kind of – you know, with Tutu, you're able to give a little bit of ground because he was so tiny and so agile. He can get out of the way if you, if you go behind the line of scrimmage. But 
the worst thing you can do is get beat over the top and he gets hit in the backfield. So you, you really just have to open up and go and, and reach whoever is there. Because with Tutu, if a defender goes inside of you, if you overrun a defender and he goes inside of you, Tutu's already gone. So mm-hmm. the last thing you want to do is, is not reach him. So. So, but that play, from what I'm understanding, a lot of it relies on that tight end to make sure you're kind of setting the boundary yeah. there for him to get around. And how is that you, are you in that match in that blocking progression is your first block on that play, a defensive end, or are you trying to get around the end on the outside to hit that linebacker who's coming over to try to, because I would imagine somebody's following two, two, at least in some form or fashion on the defense as he comes across, but are you going then to try to get somebody on the outside? That's up a little bit further than that first end. Who's probably close to you in proximity. Yeah. Yeah. Usually you're trying to bypass that end, go to that widest defender. Um, Cause you're just adding another hat, um, you know, to blocking downfield. But if that DN goes with you, I mean, you have to take him. You can't just let him run upfield. So. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a play I'd like to see more of. And, and I don't know if it may be the last couple of years, they've not felt comfortable in terms of a weapon, but I do feel like to the, to the non-trained football that I have, that I see that play not being used as much. So maybe this year with Amari Huggins, Bruce and guys, uh, with a little bit more speed that they can kind of take advantage of that and, and pad those stats. Um, a thousand yard receiver. It's, it was something that hadn't happened in, uh, for Louisville football since 2009 when Tutu went for, I think it was 1500 yards or something crazy like that. 1200 yards in 2019. Um, I know we've talked about the rushing the, from a rushing standpoint with the running backs. Do, do they need a thousand yard rusher, right? Obviously that looks good on the stats. Satterfield's background has said that he typically has a thousand yard rusher and then either a 500, 750 yard rusher, from a receiving standpoint, he never had a thousand yard receivers at App State. Never. They weren't even close to it. It's a completely different ball game now because of the weapons that he has. Obviously, you had Dez that was close. You had, um, you know, you had Tutu um, uh, obviously go. But this year, you've got a guy like, you know, uh, like I mentioned, Amari Huggins Bruce. You've got D Wiggins, who could potentially be one of the guys we're not talking about enough from a breakout standpoint there. Um, and then you've got, you know, Braden Smith. You've got all these guys who could theoretically Tyler Hudson go for a thousand yards. Does that matter? Do you need that in this offense, Vince? Does that matter? Or is that just kind of a byproduct of the offense just being high power dynamic if they can get that turned out this year? I, I don't think you necessarily need it because, I mean, Ian knows as good as anybody that if we're running the football well, we're going to win the game. And our run game is setting up our pass game. So the play action pass is more than more than likely going to be a big shot, deep play downfield. So in our offense, no, I don't think it's necessarily all that important to have a 1,000-yard receiver to whereas, you know, I think it is extremely important to have a 1,000-plus yard rusher. What about you? Yeah, Yeah, I I think Vance is right. You know, the reason you didn't see that 1,000-yard receiver at App State is because it was – it's just – a receiver room that, that, you know, receiver room by committee, you know, they try and get everyone involved and you're running the ball so well, you don't need to just target one guy, um, you know, running the ball well opens up different plays to different people. Um, and I think that's why you kind of don't see it at Louisville right now with, except for Tutu, because obviously Tutu so special got trapped in the second round, but um, you know, I don't think you'll see that this year either. Um, I think you'll see some guys 750, maybe higher, a little bit higher than that, but you'll see two or three of them. Um, you'll see two or three guys over 500 yards. And that's my hot take is Marshawn Ford will have 750 yards of receiving oh yards this year. I'd love wow. that. I'd I love that. I, I really do. I really think he, you know, he's going to be involved even more. Um, he's, he's such a special player. Yeah. Um, but that, we'll get to the tight ends a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, I, I'll follow your hot take with another one. If he does that, you're talking about one of the greatest tight ends in program history, which yeah. is crazy because he came in as a walk on that played basketball at Ballard High School. Just a, just a wild story there, one that will definitely be told on from the pink seats at some point in the future. We're speaking that into existence now. Oh, yeah. Um, let's closing thoughts on the receiver, uh, receiving room. I'll, I'll start here. Whether you want to highlight a player or you want to just kind of give some thoughts or context around some of the things we've talked about. For me, I, I just think this year, um, 
they've got a, a good group of guys, especially at the top. You're really, really top heavy. And if they can stay injury clean and kind of avoid some of the 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 dings that they've taken the last few years with guys like Braden and other guys going out, um, then I and two two with the back injury, you know, just things like that. That I think that this group could have an a thousand yard receiver, whether it's Huggins, Bruce, Hudson. I think that they're gonna throw the ball a lot down the field. They're gonna connect on a lot of those big plays that we saw in 2019 where the offensive line was able to hold. Uh, and keep that pocket clean for Malik. And he's able to, you know, come out of that play action, have a clean pocket to set and actually make a throw down the field and have somebody open. And last year, I thought the pocket was a little shaky at times, 20, 2020, same thing. Um, if these guys can consistently get open down the field, Louisville's offense is going to be a, a better than I think we even have talked about or thought that they could be. I'm not going to say there'll be a top 10 offense because that's where the the kind of dot, you know, the big, 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 big dogs live of college football. But I think they could be a top 15 offense and have one of the most dynamic groups in the entire ACC. What, uh, you know, I noticed this at practice the other day, Jacob and Ian, uh, these two freshmen that came in in this wide receiver group, Chance Morrow and Chris Bell, uh, Jacob, which one of them is uh, the bigger guy? Like That's Chance Morrow. Six, Chance six, Morrow? Yeah, 6'6", six, six, that, that, that kid's legit. I'm going to let you all know right now, you'll be hearing that name for years to come if he plays in a Louisville uniform. He, look, he looked damn good at the, pra- the open practice that I went to. And I, I'm excited for him, and I would not be surprised that if one of these X or Z Y receivers, if they don't get it done on the outside, you start seeing these two kids creep in and get more and more touches, kind of how Devontae Pete and that group did whenever they were freshmen, incoming freshmen. I've seen two pictures of him in the fall camp lineup that they've tweeted out, and I'm sure for two former players, this is laughable when I say this, but I have both pictures I've seen he's been with the first-team defense. He's playing against – he's got a first-team corner, first-team safety, somebody on him, which who knows? Maybe that doesn't have anything to do with the lineups look like, but if you got a freshman – who you're already seeing going against the ones that's at least encouraging. I would, I would imagine in any closing thoughts on the wide receiver room before we jump into the tight ends. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to, to see what is his name Wiggins. Yeah. D Wiggins. Yeah. For my yeah, D Wiggins. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see him. Um, you know, the, the, you know, he already knows the, the standard of play in this conference, um, you know, and he's coming into an opportunity where he can shine or, or he lets somebody up, some younger guys take his job. Um, so I'm excited to see what he can do. You know, I think there's already a standard or a standard level of play for Amari and, and Braden just because they've been in the system. They've been here for a little bit. Um, so I'm excited to see him. Yeah, one guy that we both failed to mention that I just thought of that with Louisville lost in the offseason is Justin Marshall, who's a multi-year starter. Oh, uh, the yeah. numbers were minimal in terms of the he impact. You always, now. Yeah, Buffalo. You always thought – Justin Marshall could be like, that's the guy who could have a big year and he never quite was able to step into it. But uh, if D Wiggins can be somewhere close to Seth Dawkins, that's a really nice pickup for, for Louisville in terms of the impact. Um, all right, let's transition here into the tight end position uh, where for Louisville, they've got a lot of continuity, um, but still some questions overall in terms of what the position group will look like from a production standpoint. So uh, just a general update, like we did the receivers, uh, gone from last year's group is Christian Peterson, who was a freshman that did not play last year, uh, barely at all, redshirted, um, has not found a destination yet, uh, but was a guy that came in with some promise, had played in an offense that was very similar to Louisville, just never able to see the field. Um, that's the only deflection that I found on the roster, but as our audience knows, I've missed quite a few the last few weeks, including just a couple <laughs> minutes ago. So if you got any more, be sure to throw those at, at us on, on Twitter or on Facebook or anything like that. Uh, and then returning for Louisville, this is where it's really important. Uh, Marshawn Ford comes back. He's an all ACC caliber guy. Uh, I don't remember where exactly he fell on their, their voting. I think maybe first team, second team. I should probably know that. Uh, but he's a guy who could very well end up as a the best tight end in the conference. Uh, and then you've got Francis Sherman, who played a lot last year, but interestingly enough, did not record a catch. I was not aware of that uh, when looking over the the statistics oh, tonight. Man. I found that to be interesting. Sherman had no started, catches last year? He started almost every game, I'm pretty sure. But uh, unless I missed something, I checked in multiple places, no catches. Uh, his touchdown was your last year, Pfeiffer. That's yeah, what yep. I was trying to think of. still my play. Still no. my play. <laughs> <laughs> he, got, he got your touchdown, I got. Man. I got. COVID and he stole it. 
don't mean to laugh at that, but that is, I think that's the only yeah. catch and touchdown he has in, in uh, the statistic book so far. Uh, and then you got, you've got other guys, veterans who have played for several years now, Dwayne Martin, Isaac Martin, both guys who primarily find themselves at that H back position, backing up uh, Marshawn Ford. And then uh, Des Melton, who has been with uh, Louisville since 2019 uh, and will, at some point I would imagine will will be an impact player or, or has the potential to be just based off of snaps available. Uh, and then Vic Mullen is a guy who came in last year as a red shirt and could see the field. And then the only incoming tight end Christian Kersey was a three-star guy who came in. Uh, I think he had been um, committed. I can't remember where he was committed, but he comes in from the Washington DC area. He's got good size. You never know with some of these position groups where freshmen could emerge. Uh, but Ian, let me ask you this. Okay. It's been two, it's been two or a year now since you have left the Louisville program. Um, you've watched guys like Francis Sherman, Des Melton, a little bit of Josh Lifson last year. You've seen some of these guys step in and try to fill the massive shoes that you left when you, when you graduated and left Louisville. Um, what have you seen overall from a film standpoint? And just, the, I mean, what, what have you kind of thought on that group, knowing them as well as you have? Mm, those all those guys are like my sons. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, Clip that. No. Send it to Isaac right now. <laughs> yeah, oh, especially Isaac. That's my son. Um, no, I I truly believe that you know the the tight end group, um, along with the offensive line group, is kind of the strength of this team, um, especially the offense, uh, just because there are guys that have so much experience under their belts. Um, you know, I, I just I want to. I want to give a shout out to Francis for, for, for getting a full ride scholarship. Um, he's a guy that, you know, wow, has, they put Sherman on scholarship. They did. When did they do that a couple days ago. Wow. That's awesome. We, breaking you know, news. Yeah. We got a little breaking news on this show. I love wow. that, man. That's great. Yeah. Him. He's, he, he's a guy that, that just puts in the work, you know, he came in as a walk on, wasn't given much thought. Um, me and he's a straight baller and then i've i've got a real real high uh expectation i have des melton you know he he a little tough on him because he played running back or receiver in high school so it took a minute for him to kind of learn the position and, and kind of use his body in a different way and in, in the sport um but another kid who has so much potential and and you know i i think he's going to be a stud this year I really, really like the idea of Des Melton being an impact piece. And I had the yeah. statistics. I think it was three catches for 60 yards last year. So when you're talking about the big play potential, you see that. But this is year three. We've, we've only seen so much of him on the field. Obviously, you know, you, you took the majority of the snaps uh, that for those first two years. And then last year kind of competed with Francis. Josh Lifson played a little bit there. Um, what, what's kind of the – what – what does he bring to the to the offense in terms of just overall ability? Yeah, that Des can freaking fly, man. I mean, he's faster than some some of the receivers. I mean, he, I mean, he's he's toasting corners down the field on deep overs, and he, I mean, Vince, you saw it. Like he made some unreal catches in practice, <laughs> and like his his thing is he just needs to have that that confidence in games. He needs to have that confidence that you know even though he may be lacking in, in the blocking area, I'm sure he's improved. It's been a year since I've been there, but um, you know, just have that same confidence you do in the receiving game that you do in the blocking game. The like you hit the nail on the head with Des. I mean, he, he can be that vertical threat that, you know, can change the offense. You were, you were a pretty good vertical threat yourself. Des is a little bit faster than you. I was just – I was deceptive speed. You know, he, <laughs> yeah, right. I floated hey. in behind defenses like Jason Witten. <laughs> 2020 was my favorite because, I mean, you came in feeling good. You lost a little bit more weight. Oh, and, you know, dude, all of a sudden they started going in Skelly a little bit more. 2020, I was tearing it up in camp. I, I mean, I was I was lighting it up. It was, it was so much, Jacob, that I remember – Receivers weren't having a good camp, if you remember, Pfeiffer, because yeah. you were catching more balls. And Brew brought you in and was like, are you going to let this tight end lead lead the team in receiving this former offensive lineman? It's really interesting. One thing to kind of note here, I was just reading through the, as you guys were chatting, the position breakdown for Matt, our, our own Matt McGavick on the tight end group. And one thing he points out with Josh Stepp is that uh, the that group of tight ends under his uh, watch at Georgia State were all conference players over a, a 
four or five year period. And he was a guy that threw, you know, uh, had a big play or a big say in how the offense kind of worked there, obviously. And was, uh, they threw the ball to their tight ends a ton. So I would expect this year, even considering the fact that you have all these wide receivers on the board for Louisville, that they're going to get the ball to the tight ends. And I think that um, that's going to, that's going to give opportunities to Des Melton to kind of have a breakout year. You're going to see, you know, I know it was against air force late in the game, but, but you, you saw the the kind of potential of a guy like Josh Lifson as a walk-on to be in a rotation and be a depth piece. Um, But overall, I think the one thing to note with this position group, and, and I'm curious of, of your take in, and, and I know this can be kind of a delicate situation, so I don't want to set you up for, for having to, to do anything here, but uh, the position group, and I've said this last several months on the show, the tight ends have not developed the way that I would have expected outside of Marshawn. And I don't know if that's that you guys just took so many reps the first two years as a duo that those guys were sort of behind and weren't, you know, at the same step. Uh, but I feel like now that Stu Holt is gone and uh, has moved on to Virginia Tech, this position group is going to have an opportunity to kind of reset. And these guys are going to have a new opportunity to compete and get out there and really see. And what what do you think from a development standpoint? I mean, how important is that room? You know, we talked about plays like the pop pass and the jet sweeps yeah. and different plays where the tight end is blocking. Um, how important is that position to really get right for Louisville in terms of the rest of the guys being successful? Yeah, so I I think when when I when I got there in 2019, obviously new staff and and with coach uh, with coach Holt, um, he he found himself in a situation where he wanted to got play the guys with the most experience, um, you know the, the guys that he could trust to to do the right thing, um, you know even though Jordan Davis was was way 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 more athletic than me, probably stronger than me in every fashion, but I I, I knew the playbook and I knew. I knew what I was doing. So that gave me the upper edge. So I could see where that kind of could, you know, it couldn't develop Francis or Dez or DJ or Isaac um, just because that, that trust wasn't built yet with coach Holt. And then kind of last year was, was their first season really was their first year. Um, so I would say a year under their belts now um, they're more confident and, you know, this, the, the, the way you talk about this new coach coming in, he's definitely going to get him right. I think this year you can expect a big breakout year for sure. So in that H-back spot, obviously the conversation start and really ends with Marshawn. And this will be the last thing, and then we'll move on to the last bit of the show. But um, you've got guys like Isaac Martin. You've got Dwayne Martin. You've got other guys that are capable of playing at that spot. What does that position need to be outside of Marshawn to be successful? Um, I – I'm just going to say, you know, because you have Marshawn at, at that H back position, your, your passing plays are going to go to Marshawn. I mean, he, he's a hell, hell of an athlete um, and you can count on him to make a play break a tackle. Um, so really, and don't, don't get me wrong. Isaac and DJ can catch the ball. You know, they're, they're great athletes too. Maybe not Isaac, but um, <laughs> no, nah, nah, I'm kidding. Um, but you know, you're going to have to count on them in the run game. If, if they want to consistently get snaps, get 10, 15 snaps a game, then you're going to have to bust some heads. You know, you're, you're going to have to be leading on, on power or in, in outside zone and, you know, all of that. So, you know, I, I definitely think they're going to have to step up in the run game. I'm excited. I think this is going to be the strength of the offense. Listen, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say 750 and seven for Marshawn. I that's love that. Say. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's all ACC first team right there. Lock that in. Yeah. That's his, his data there. All right, cool. Well, let's, let's step away quickly. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back on the other side, we'll talk special teams and then we'll have a little bit of a, a game or a segment here called best bets, where we look at some of the over-unders uh, for Louisville football. Does this ever happen to you? Do you ever get sick of listening to the same old sports radio? Mount Rushmore, this hot seat, that the same rehashed old musty takes you've been hearing for years. Does it send you into a fit of rage, causing you to lose control of the steering wheel, crashing into a vehicle, leading to you being late to a big meeting at work, which leads to your ultimate firing and downward spiral of your life? Does this ever happen to you? Don't send your life into a downward spiral. Do what thousands of others are already doing. Listening to the state of Louisville podcast network, Louisville football, basketball, women's basketball, baseball, Louisville City and racing Louisville soccer, Louisville culture, and so much more. State of Louisville Podcast Network and stateoflouisville.com. Real fans' opinions for real fans like you. 
special teams. It's a, it's a conversation that has to be had. I know it's not the sexiest part of the football game, but they don't say you got to be good in all three phases uh, to leave out special teams. So that's what we're going to do is talk about that. Uh, and much like wide receivers and tight ends, new position coach, who that is. I don't know. We'll find out when the season starts, uh, but it's not Stu Holt. That's what I do know. Uh, and then there was another coach who left, uh, whose name I forget every single time. Carl Maslowski. That's right. That's Where'd right. Where'd he go? He is at Purdue now. He, is, I believe he's either, I think he's a quality control linebacker coach at Purdue. Okay, fact about Maz is he played Australian football, professional football. He's actually Western Kentucky national champion linebacker. Yeah. Wow. I remember watching his pick six in, in some some video during camp or something. Yes, I he's, remember that as well. <laughs> he's a good dude. Yeah. Well, the special teams is going to look a little bit different this year. What that is, I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we're going to really find out game one, but uh, it is certainly a bigger part of uh, the, the kind of narrative and storylines behind Louisville than what we've given it credit for. Just like we've done with every other group, just a quick position overview. Gone for the special teams. Mitch Hall, who has been there since I was in college. I was a senior in college, I believe, when Mitch Hall was a freshman, and I am 29 years old. Um, so he was there for six years. Definitely interesting to still see guys that were in college when I was in college, uh, leaving the team, but, uh, was the long snapper for so long that the long snapper before that, I'm pretty sure it was Colin Hoba, right? Vince, you are correct. <laughs> he's had yep. two long snappers Jeez. in 10 years, dude. Yep. That I is unreal. Five star Mitch Hall. Yeah. Right. Five, five star, star Mitch Hall, snapper. NFL draft pick Colin Hoba. We are long snapper. You at Louisville is what I'm understanding here. <laughs> uh, and then you lose a couple of, of uh, punt returners, kick returners and Hassan Hall who transfers on to Georgia tech. We mentioned Tyler Harold, Alabama, Maurice Berkeley graduates. He returned a couple of punts uh, last year and kickoffs. Uh, and then Jordan Watkins, who also kind of split time with both um, returning for Louisville. Uh, are their starting punter, kicker, and kick kickoff specialist, the guy who kicks off the tee. They bring back James <laughs> Turner, Brock Travelstead, uh, and Mark Vassett. And then from a return standpoint, I think it's interesting here. We saw Jawar Jordan's ability in the bowl game with that big kickoff return. You bring back Josh Johnson, um, who can be a guy that definitely uh, steps in as a punt returner, kick returner. Obviously, you guys have talked about his, his speed there. And then you get Braden Smith and Mari Huggins-Bruce. And then I want to make sure I note, Vince always makes sure to throw the walk-ons in there. So I'm going hey, to make when sure he's I going to be up. in the starting long snapper conversation. You have to throw his name out there. Drew, Drew Brunowitz. First mention on from the pink seats podcast. Drew first mention. I mean, Pfeiffer, you were there for, were you there for Brunowitz? Yeah. He, he gave me uh, a couple haircuts. He's a That's barber. Right. Yeah. He's a little, yeah, he's a barber. I forgot to mention that. Look at that. Look at that. So, yeah. Inside scoop for our, he, he will be right in there. the conversation for starting long, long snapper. So hopefully this is the, First and last time we mentioned your name, Drew, on this podcast. <laughs> there you go. And then you've got two guys coming in that are worth noting, both from the transfer portal, both walk on. Shy uh, Kochav from Arkansas State was a, a redshirt freshman long snapper last year. Com uh, figures to be competing in that same competition there with Drew Brinowitz. And then Cole Hussing, who is a new Albany, Indiana product who played at Michigan uh, and is a, a kicker. So he's kind of in the, the, the mix here. Did not, did not kick at Michigan, but he went to Michigan. So I want to make sure for the transfer portal rating boost, we mentioned that because he definitely is a power five guy there. So you're talking about some competition for James Turner, who let's start there last year. Oof, you, you missed the kick against, against Virginia to win the game. You got a couple of bunnies that you miss. It really looked like um, James Turner, you know, this, I think it was 12 for 20 when it all ended on, on field goals last year. And considering who he's followed behind and Blanton Creaky and some of those guys, it's definitely not great. But we saw him. He was automatic the year before and then automatic to start the year. And it was – did you guys think it was a confidence thing? Because that's what it felt like. It just felt like he had the yips almost, you know, like he just would get out there and uh, would – overcompensate overthink it and, and miss field goals and you know a lot of people have said why is he back why is he the kicker you obviously bring in this hussing kick there's another walk-on who could be you know competing for that spot but you know you got to think that a guy that was really good a couple of years ago could get back into the right place mentally and get back to being successful for Louisville what do you guys think you guys were around him yeah I mean I I, I could never be a kicker um just because <laughs> You know, you're on for, for limited snaps, maybe two or three snaps a game and, and two of them, maybe all three could be game changing plays. So you, you mess up a couple of them and you can go to a really dark place. So, you know, kicking is tough, special teams. It's, it's tough. Um, like you said, might have had the yips. Um, 
but I, I have full confidence, you know, he can bounce back and, and give us that, that 2020 kind of year he had. Yeah. And it's really important to talk about the competition in camp, which there's no special teams coordinator. So we're not getting any type of special teams, media appearances. We're not talking the, notice I, unless I wish Matt was here to correct me, but I have not seen any talk about special teams, not a single peep about it. So you're talking about your kicker coming back. You might have to replace your kicker. If he starts out the year one for three, one for four, who are you going to? Nobody knows. We have no idea what that looks like. That's a big deal for Louisville. And then you talk about the punting side of things, which last year we were all just so excited that, that Louisville finally got one of those Australian kickers. Like, uh, you know, we always wanted to, to be the guy, like the one that's, that's punting or kicking in Miami with all the tattoos, who was a, you know, 26 year old Australian league punter. Mark Vassett was fine, but he wasn't great. A lot of field position issues for Louisville in the punting game. So, the, I mean, you're not even sure about anything. There is no sure thing on the special teams. And that is, that's why I'm just like, that position group could be, quite frankly, horrible or they could be great and well, completely I, change the I game. I think that's best case scenario. You don't have high expectations right now. So, right. if they do blow up and do really good, then you're like, all right, that's an added piece to to a good season. So. Yeah, and I don't know if either one of you all saw this, and uh, but there was the dude who was sharing videos on on Twitter all offseason, punting and or he was kicking field goals from. Oh, like he's at Missouri State now. Yeah. Oh, Bobby got him. He was good. Yeah. Oh, dude, we got to yeah, talk about Bobby coming here. Yeah, I was like, why is that kid not playing for Louisville? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the thing that's going to end up happening, uh, kind of what I predict, Pfeiffer, you should be used to it. You were in special teams meetings. Uh, each coach is going to be debbied up. <laughs> That's right. He's a he's a vet. You know, when you get on your tenth year of fall camp, you usually don't have to do much as special teams. Yeah, I usually just go to the kitchen and make food. <laughs> but what they do is they debbie up the positions, and you know, a certain coach would take like the long snapper and the interior two or three guys. Another coach would take that two outside guys, and another coach would take the gunner and. You know, Ivy would take the three up back guys or the three PPs, the personal protectors, and somebody else would get the punter. So, I mean, the jobs are going to be debbied up. It's all about who's going to be drawing up that scheme for us to execute that play that I believe uh, Coach Holt and uh, Maz did together after they did all the tight end stuff. So, I, I, I don't know. Maybe a Zeb Spear steps into that role. Ian, uh, I mean, yeah. he's been there a while. He's kind of old enough now, matured as a coach. Uh, I can see that happening. Or Seth Price, you know, yeah, somebody, no, I, who's, I mean, somebody who's extremely smart. Uh, I don't know. It's a toss up. I expect one of those quality control guys to get it for sure, though. Yeah, Not that, I mean, get it, but that'd be know. a good opportunity for both of them to kind of step up and and take a group on for sure. It's just interesting to go into a season and, you know, not that anybody really ever pays attention to who's the long snapper and what's the punting strategy, but in a year where Louisville is coming off of every little inch and every yard being important in terms of the outcome of games, stuff like this that could derail a season. I mean, you're talking about a nine win team going to be a six win team because they have issues in special teams. Um, so, you, you, you know, obviously I'm not saying that's going to be the case, but it's just, it's hard to have a conversation about this because it's almost like you have a new coaching staff because we have no idea what to expect from this position group, but what Bob, you do, go ahead, go ahead. Vince. Bobby used to have the corniest saying in our special teams room. Say it and like it was, Bob, say it like Bobby would say it. Please. No, Bobby never said it. You think Bobby oh, Petrino was in there for a special team meeting? <laughs> I have no Are you idea. Kidding me? No, <laughs> but uh, he'd have the corniest saying it was one play battles for huge chunks of land. And I mean, that's true. Special teams can, completely change the game i mean the percentages of just kicking it on a kickoff holding them you know at the 20 or at yeah. the 25 or the 30 just the percentages going up and down and up and down it's wild so you know we were truly blessed with guys like colin holba yeah mitch hall, mitch hall long snappers yeah, right where, you well, know you've never he's heard he's of peep animal except yeah. unless they were making a tackle and then mason king and blend creaky um, I mean, and you can even go back and back and back with all these older guys from Bobby 1.0 and 2.0 yeah. and Charlie Strong. And you all don't remember Austin Appleby, I bet. I bet that's way before <laughs> both of your all's time. He, we had Louisville had a jack tatted punter at one point. Uh, I he it was Josh Appleby. Maybe it was whatever. What did I say? Yeah, Alan Appleby. You said Austin. Yeah. Whatever. Josh yeah. Appleby. Yeah. Whatever. 
same thing. Uh, but yeah, there, it's just, it's hard to have a conversation when you don't really know. And there was, like you said, there was just, there's been a lot of mainstays on the special teams unit for a long time. Um, but we've seen from a return standpoint, some weird strategies. Okay. I've asked Vince about, about this in a lot of why was a linebacker returning punts. It made no sense, but it seems like they've kind of, I don't want to say neglected the return game, but the strategy has just been to get the ball and secure it versus trying to make a play with the ball. And last year we saw Jawar Jordan. We know that there's dynamic guys on the special team. So you hope that that becomes much more of an important piece. And then the other part of it is, and, and you played with Marvin Dallas. So you got to see it a little bit of close and personal in 2021 late in the season or 2020, but you have guys who have played uh, for a couple of years on special teams who have been turnover makers, guys who have uh, done enough from a gunner standpoint, you know, getting down there and making hits and, and, you know, getting the ball to come loose. They can be a really important piece of this team if they can do all of that. And I guess, you know, we don't have intel to know whether they're going to be able to, but I guess they've got the pieces, right? You all think they've got the athletes and guys who could kind of unlock that group? Yeah, I mean, they, they've, they've got guys that have, have been playing special teams there for a little for a little while now. So uh, I, I would feel a little bit more comfortable if there was a special teams coach that was announced. That, you know, <laughs> you, you could imagine that someone's in there coaching them. But um, – yeah, I guess time time will only tell. The thing that I, I think, you know, Jacob, you, you said it, and, uh, you know, the special teams isn't – they're not just trying to gain yards. They're trying to score every time. And I'll throw this out there for reference. Wake Forest, we only had 10 people on the field in 2019. And the only reason we had 10 people on the field is because Stu Holt was holding Tutu Atwell off to the side on the sideline, and he had informed the referee that right before the snap of the ball, we're going to slide Tutu out there, and he's going to be our 11th man. Well, it worked. You know, Stu threw him out there and lined Rajay Burns all the way up on the left hash. So if he's on the left hash, you know, you're the punter. You're going to kick it to the opposite hash, so it hits and rolls, and you get as much yards as you want. Right. But he kicked it right to Tutu. Ah. Tutu went all the way down the sideline. So, I mean, they're trying to score, but just stuff isn't – guys got to buy into special teams. Special teams is a hard thing to buy in. Yeah, I would sure. imagine so. It's definitely not glorious or sexy by any means. And some, for some guys, that's all they do. I mean, you see guys in the NFL uh, make money off of just being a Matthew Slater and playing a special teams for 16 years. All right, let's move into the final segment of the show here. Best bets where we will look through a couple of different uh, bets that have come from this, the sports book of uh, Oldham County, Jacob Lane's house. Uh, no official numbers here, just some numbers and metrics. Over under Tyler Hudson, 950 yards as a receiver this year. Oh, that's the kid from UCA, that's right? Cent- yeah, that's the Central Arkansas transfer um, who is, you know, most people who have seen him have said he could be an all-ACC type of player. Yeah, I mean, that that's the – I mean, Central Arkansas is literally in, in my home state here in Arkansas, obviously. Um, you know, people can't just see FCS and think that, oh, they must play some cupcakes or some slaps. Um, that's good competition. Um, they, they play FBS schools all the time. Um, I'm, I'm going to go over. I think that, you know, that's one thing Isaac Martin told me when I asked him about, you know, like who's lighting it up right now in camp. And one thing he told me was like, dude, this transfer from UCA, he's the real deal. So that's, you know, it's very encouraging, you know, coming from Isaac, you know, someone who's made an impact in camp. Um, I just really hope it translates to the season. So I'll go over. What do you think, Vince? Uh, I'm going to go over as well. I've seen him twice now. Uh, he, he's every bit of a damn good receiver and can make a big impact on this offense. Yeah, I'm going over for sure. Yeah, and, and I mean, if, if he's not over, like, close to 1,000 yards, he, he's up there. You know, he's maybe finishes at 800, 850, but he's – I definitely think and hope he makes a big impact. I, yeah, I tend to lean that uh, – I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go under on this. I tend to lean that if there is a 1,000-yard receiver, it's going to be Amari Huggins-Bruce. Just listening to Malik talk about Tyler Hudson a few weeks ago, I think of him as more of a Des Fitzpatrick. He'll be a possession guy. He'll have some big plays down the field, but he'll probably end up in that 650 to 850 range. Uh, and we'll all probably gripe about he needs the ball a little bit more and what he could do, just like we did with Fitz, Des Fitzpatrick for four years. All right, moving on. Marshawn Ford over under six and a half touchdowns. So will he, ha- I know you already answered oh, yeah. this one earlier. He was seven for seven fifty yeah, or seven seventy five. Yeah. I, I, tr- I truly think, um, you know, people, people are going to be so focused on the running game of Malik that I think 
I think they're going to air it out a lot more this year. Um, he has a big arm, and I think you'll see a few guys that, um, whether it be Amari, Marshawn, or, or Hudson, that are, are big play threats and, and have a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns. I'm going to go uh, – I'll go over as well. I think in the red zone is where Marshawn's mainly going to get a lot of his touchdowns, uh, arrow routes, different things that they discuss to make it look uh, – just look different, sexy, as they'd like to say. And, uh, yeah, so over, over six and a half. Yeah, I think I'm going to get go a half a touchdown, Jacob. I don't know. That's how they do it in the freaking <laughs> sports books, man. I don't know. I'm not a better. I don't know, man. I just tried to try to put some stuff down. Yeah, it's a push. But, you know, that's not fun in a game. Next one, let's move on. D. Wiggins, 25 receptions. I'll drop the .5 reception here. Over or under 25 receptions. I'll go first on this one, and I am going to go over. I think it's going to probably go Marshawn in terms of volume of catches and then, you know, probably Amari. And then you're, you're talking about Braden Smith and D Wiggins. I, I think he'll probably fall in the 30 to 35 range. So I'll go over on that. Um, that's a lot of receptions. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's a lot um, just because, Two a game, you know, if, roughly. Yeah. Oh, when you put it like that. It's, yeah, it's I know. It's pretty, not that pretty, bad. Like, right. you know, Piper's like, like, I can go do that right now. Like, yeah, I'm going to go take my life savings and put it on that. Um, I'll, I'll say over just because I, I think, um, like I said, I think this offense is going to be a lot of fun this year. You're going to see a lot of guys step up. Um And if 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 he's not that, that deep play guy, he's going to be a possession guy where he might have – 40 catches for, for 500 yards, you know, like something like that. So, yeah, I'm going under and here's my reasoning is I think chance Morrow will take his spot by the end of the year. Okay. That's a take. I like that, man. That's a really solid take. I, I definitely could see it. I just think just listening to him, he had his media availability this week. The guy's got a unique story and seems motivated to want to kind of show out. Um, his numbers at Miami were good, but they were never more than just, you know, a third, fourth receiver. So, you know, maybe new opportunity, fresh start. You're talking about a guy who could have a breakout season. All right, Ian, this one's going to be close and personal to you. Des Melton, is he over or under 79 yards? Last year he had three for 80, which mm. was a career high because it was all three of his catches in college. Uh, so does he have more than 79 yards this season? This feels easy. Um... Um, if, if he can shoot, that is, that is tough just because, you know, him and, uh, Sherm, they both, they both kind of share that why on the ball roll. I'm going to have to go over, you know, I, I think Des, he's going to be, he's going to be used kind of to stretch the field a little bit. Um, and Sherm's going to be that gritty blocker, you know, hip tossing dudes to the sideline. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to go over with that too. I'm very optimistic if you can't see. Like, I'm I think very we all excited are, yeah. to watch this yeah. these Louisville squad. Um, so, yeah. Over. Some of these metrics just feel like they're set pretty low in terms of just exceeding what they were at last year. Like, more than 80 yards. I feel like he could have a game of 80 yards at some point. Yeah, he, he he very well could. You know, he, he could take a pop pass from, like, the 50-yard line for a touchdown. Dude, I'd love like, – give me a tight end screen, man. I would love that. They should have put hey, you in a tight end screen, dude. I, I brought I brought it to Satterfield <laughs> I love times. That. I love that. And, you know, like you, the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, like yeah. tight end screens where, yeah, you know – He gets to read the defense and decide whether he's going to keep it or, you know, pitch that back. Yeah. And sat straight up to him when he said, I, I love the play. He's like, but if we're running it, Marshawn's getting that ball. I was like, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> I love the honesty because I would have sat yeah, as no. being the kind of guy that's like, man, you know what? Let me take that to the group. I think that's a good idea. And then somebody else later comes to tell you, yeah, that's what oh, yeah. happening. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I have that going down. Um, did, did you answer, Vince? I don't even know. If no, you I'm going over, though. I think, okay. like you guys have already said, I think he'd just have a game where he has 80 yards, yeah. a hot pass or a burt or yeah. a deep over, anything like that. All right, guys, I'm going to open the floor up for this last one here. This one, again, a little special place in your all's hearts. Isaac Martin, we're going to go over or under three touchdowns. And I don't think he has three touchdowns in his career. Maybe I'm wrong, Vince. I'm sure you've got it. Memory. He has no touchdowns. 
but but Vince is that's like one of his bold takes this season is that Isaac is going to show out. So I'm, yep, I'll, I'll go ahead and start it. I'm going over. <laughs> I'm hammering the over here. Hammering the over. I think Isaac is going to get underestimated in the red zone play because Pfeiffer. Let me picture it like this. You're a defensive guy. You're playing linebacker. Your eyes are going to go from Marshawn to Malik. Marshawn to Malik. And who are you going to forget about? That other H-back running the arrow right behind him, and we're just going to dump it off right to Isaac Martin. You turn Over around, and you just see those locks flowing as he's slowly walking into the end zone uh, with the muscles shining and glistening again with that the, with the Thor hair and all of his, his Isaac Martin glory, dude. I can't wait. I can see it right now in my head. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm selling my car. I'm going to my bank account and I'm putting all of my money on the under because there is no way Isaac scores four touchdowns. I, you know, I, I, I love the guy, but we, we put plays in form all the time and they just, they just don't get called or he just, or we're in practice and he just has a mental bust and they're like, well, stats like, well, well, we're not going to run that now because you just, you know, you ran the wrong way or something. Uh, no, but I, I, I really do think he gets one or two sneaky touchdowns this year. But four is a lot of touchdowns, especially because I didn't even get four one year. So I'm not, I'm not taking that over. Um, but yeah, I, I think Isaac's going to have a big, a bigger role this year. And I, I even told him, um, I, I think he's going to score a couple. So. Yeah, I, I would not be shocked at all. And knowing what I've seen the last few years, it'll be in the bowl game for sure. Because that's when the red shirt senior yeah. graduate seniors decide, you know what, we want to step up and do what we've waited for four years to do right now. I mean, that, sure. that Mississippi State game was just seniors coming out of left and right field. Yeah, your old to roommate, get touchdowns. TJ Hall, had himself a day. Baller. Oh, yeah. 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 A little Devontae Pete, Gary McRae action. Throwing it back in the in the time machine there. All right, that's going to wrap it up here for us on From the Pink Seats podcast. We appreciate you guys tuning in. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. Uh, and I appreciate you jumping in here, man. We'd love to have you back throughout the season to to break down. You got a you got a win total. You want to throw out what you think from a prediction standpoint, Louisville gets? Yeah, I think I think the line. Trust me, I've been monitoring it closely. The line's at about six or six right now. I think it's up to six and a half. I'm going to say nine. I think I think nine is very achievable. Um, you know, and I, I really do think uh, that this team takes steps in the right direction this year. Uh, I love the offense. I, I think the defense is is, is going to be elite this year. I know of how it, it's been easy in the past for me to kind of have my doubts on the defense just because you, you never. Know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, ju- just because, you know, just me being immature and, and, and playing there, you know, I always thought, you know, oh, we score so many points. I, I hate it being a close game at the end, but I think defense straps it up this year. Yep. Um, I'm very, very bullish on them too. So it's going to be an exciting year. We're just a couple of days away here from the season getting underway. Next week, we will be back with our first uh, episode of the season preview in Syracuse and what you can expect. Uh, and uh, it was the Carrier Dome, not anymore. I don't know what the name of it is anymore, but they're it's, one of the nine arenas. Yeah, Carrier Dome forever. Uh, but Louisville will will tip our kick off the season against uh, Syracuse next week, and then we've also, like we mentioned in the intro, we've got a couple of things up our sleeve. We're getting ready to to embark on a big season, hopefully one of the the biggest that we've seen here, hopefully the biggest on the show since we started the show in 2020. Hopefully a big year. So we will be back next week. Till then, go Cards. <laughs>